It is uh, about 9 o'clock. We're starting to record this on Sunday, May 31st, the Williams and Bloom uh, quarantine podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Uh, we'll just let the cat out of the bag right now. We are aware of the social tensions in our country. We are not ignoring that. Please do not accuse us of that. Um, but it's moving so fast and things are happening so quickly that if you guys want that type of content right now, uh, you can find it elsewhere. We're not ignoring it. Uh, it's all very important dialogue. But we're here tonight to talk about the Cyclone. So with that, I welcome Brent Bloom to the Cyclone Fanatic home office here in beautiful Bondurant, where, man, it's been a hell of a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. And I was <laughs> thinking today, and honestly, I think we're both... 35 years old i can't remember a more unstable time in our lives uh just from a geopolitical socioeconomic everything throwing the pandemic and this is in modern history yeah, yeah this is one after another and it's just really i mean i think everyone's just anxious everyone's super anxious and um man i just i don't i don't necessarily see an end in sight for some of this stuff, but I think that's what isn't helping. But um, yeah, just another, just an add it, add it to the list. It's just you know the pandemic, then the the economic situations with unemployment over twenty percent, and then which is still going to keep going up by yeah. all models. And then this just you know it was just uh, put put more on it, and I don't know. I mean we're two middle-class white guys in the middle of Iowa. I mean, our expertise is definitely not in race relations, but I think everybody has feelings towards us, and it's it's just hard to really express. And so, I mean, I think we know our spot, and it's and it's not in in this area. And, you know, maybe we could at least talk about something else and be a distraction for a little bit, I guess. Well, we're recording this at 9 o'clock on Sunday night. Whatever we say... Uh, when you guys listen to this, probably on Monday morning is likely going to be dated. I mean, we're watching downtown Des Moines I right just, now. So let's I, just. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't know what the solution is right now. And I think that's the most difficult part. Nobody does. A lot of people think that they do, but to truly find a realistic solution right now is difficult. It is fascinating. Uh, the, I was talking to my wife today. And it's like, is this coronavirus thing even a thing anymore? Not that I'm not making light no. of it, but like, it's just amazing how that has completely dominated our news cycle. Well, and now, and rightfully so, yeah. I'm not saying we should be cutting into Andrew Cuomo press conferences right now, right? but it is wild. It's just wild well, it's just a, how it's just gone now. Well, and I think it all, all plays a part. I mean, you've... You, there, these three stories, you know, are all connected in some way. Um, I think people were on edge to begin with, and this just, you know, um, made things even more tense. And, and people have been inside. Now they're, you know, I don't know. It's just, there's a lot, there's just a lot happening. And yeah, I mean, gosh, the story, the story shifted completely all in four days. Hey, uh, we're going to start doing this on the Sunday night. Uh, quarantine pod and it, this is fun for me uh, one of the things that I do have some expertise in is the unemployment thing <laughs> <laughs> trying to save 
our team from being unemployed sure. uh, during the coronavirus. And, and I mean this, our overall revenue, I'm projecting like a 65% hit. Our programmatic revenue upwards north of 85% from all this. We could not, we, we literally would not be here without the people who are supporting Cyclone Fanatic. So we're going to give our uh, super patrons shout outs during the podcast. Um, now, a lot of you got some koozies in the mail last weekend. If you didn't get your koozie, you will. It means that you probably signed up a little late right. and you weren't on that month's mailing list. So stay tuned and you will get your koozie. We haven't forgotten about anybody. I promise. But we're going to give some shout outs here to the people who are making it possible. Uh, the first one tonight is Kelly Ellis Brent, who was born and raised in Norwalk. The Warriors. Uh, the Warriors. They were a rival back in the day. Um, he got hooked on the Cyclones back when I like stories like this. His dad took him to a game at Clyde Williams Field. Wow. When he was 10. He's now lived in Texas since 1992 but as a loyal Iowa State and Cyclone Fanatic supporter. So, Kelly, thank you. Cheers to you, Kelly. Cheers to you, Kelly. We appreciate it. We could not appreciate you more. And I love hearing the stories about the Cyclone fans who stay connected with their news all over the country from Cyclone Fanatic. It it really warms my heart. Another guy uh, who we want to give a shout-out to tonight is John Zolk. He became a Cyclone fan when he married Susan who is an Iowa State alumna. So Susan did the work of God (laughs) and made John a Cyclone fan. All of Susan's brothers are Iowa Staters, and many of her nieces and nephews, and now John and all of their kids uh, are Iowa Staters. John and Susan attend as many Cyclone sporting events as they can every year. They've tailgated at every home game for the past five years with Susan's classmates and her spouses. John, um, I recognize John from our... Zoom call. Um, Zoom call with yeah. Sage Rosenfels. He, right. he asked a great question uh, a couple weeks ago. We'll be more information on the, the second one coming up here. Very cool. So very cool. thank you, John. Thank you very much to John. Kelly, Susan, and any of you can become premium subscribers. You can check out all those incentives at CycloneFanatic.com. And I will say this, just a little bit of a tease. Hopeful to have a substantial basketball recruiting update for everybody uh, sometime before noon tomorrow. Now, we haven't been great about the premium uh, getting there before noon because, well, you can't control when you get the information. When news breaks. But, yeah. Um, there is a when lot the of... birdies chirp. Yeah, there are moving parts sure. uh, in basketball recruiting right now. Again, we, we touched on it last week, the young man from DePaul. Did you hear my interview with him? Awesome. Jeez. Now, that kid is sharp. Jalen Coleman lands. Stansbury said the same thing after he talked to him. And then I'm like, well, we'll see how this translates to a podcast. Phenomenal. I could have done a th- three-hour podcast with that. Yeah, kid. I listened to it. Um, I was like, what was that, five minutes? And I looked up, it was 25 minutes. He was so was good. A really good, in-depth conversation. Really honest about how he, you know, this has been a weird time. He, mm-hmm. here's, here's a young man that was recruited. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school out of the Indianapolis area. And then was re-recruited when he transferred from Illinois to DePaul. So he's very used to the recruiting process and how different it was this time around and how the Iowa State coaches and the rest of the staffs had to approach him. And it was it was Zoom calls and video tours, basically. Mm-hmm. So, And I got to give the, the young man a shout out as he's going to be a grad student in the there you go. Uh, business yeah. an- analytics 
degree in the Ivy College of Business. I like to think you had something to do with his uh, commitment based off the pitch you gave about three weeks ago. Well, it's uh, the MIS data analytics in an emerging field. Yeah, he... But he, Did I mean, you hear him on the podcast yeah. explain it? And, like, he created an app. Like, he is a bright... If you guys haven't, like, to our podcast listeners, go and check it out. You will be a huge well fan done. of this kid. Yeah, and when you could tell, he's a, he's an older guy. And I, I think he corrected you... called him a kid. He's a young man. He, he, he corrected you on his age, which is, what, 23? He's 23. I called him 24. He was offended. Um, but, again, kind of bought in right away that uh, new knew what his role was going to be, and that's as a as a mentor and a veteran for these guys. And, you know, I think last year's team, they did have some leaders on that team, but they're still pretty young by and large. And so when you have four freshmen coming in, a guy like Coleman Land who's been through about everything, which I, I had forgotten about until I, I re-looked up his numbers, I called a game of his against Iowa State when they played down in Destin. I totally in the, forgot uh, about that, too. He started. He actually freshman. played pretty well as a freshman. Yeah. Uh, that was the George senior season is prom's first year so uh but he clearly had some knowledge of iowa state from that experience and the neat thing is iowa state going down there again in november yeah um beautiful desk i had forgotten about that earlier at the paul game too so that that was cool he's gonna help i mean i think you i think you mentioned at some point whether it's on your cakes and o show or on one of the podcasts i think he's got a chance to lead iowa state in scoring i still think the leader in the clubhouse is probably Rajir bolton but Coleman Lands will help. Uh, he's just kind of a classic two combo guard. He'll do a little bit of everything. Probably can handle the ball a little bit. So be interested to see how that offense clicks. And I think you pair him with the Bolton and Trey Jackson, and it's a nice little backcourt. If you can get Tyler Harris eligible, he provides a different dynamic than the rest of those guys. So we'll see. I, I don't know what the odds are on that. but I think it's 50-50. I think it's a coin toss. I do think that this... Um, COVID-19 thing is going to get a lot of guys eligible who may not have been. And often forgot and he's a guy who I don't I don't know how big of an impact he's going to have but Javon Johnson has some length has some ball handling ability decent shooter so he, he does will get help. forgotten about. He will help next year too and he's you know 6'5", 6'6", with some length should be better help out on the defensive end as well and you know I don't know is this an NCAA tournament team as this roster stands right now I'd probably lean on the outside of the bubble, but there's still a couple scholarships remaining that could change my mind. It's like one fanatic podcast as we do on our uh, Williamson Bloom Quarantine podcast. We tell you what we are sipping on this evening. want to give a shout out, and um, I didn't know this. These guys are Iowa guys. Cody wrote, Bloom brought this over. Yeah, buddy. Got it at the... Uh the High V made in LeClaire, Iowa, right on the river. It's the Mississippi River Distilling Company. I didn't. I've always seen these bottles, and I always thought that these bottles looked really cool. I didn't know that they were Iowa made. Iowa made, yeah. And so somebody shouted out to me on Twitter and told me to try it, and I get to chatting. Um, one of the owners of this distillery used to be Cy, so an Iowa Stater. Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool. And the whiskey's really good. Yeah, I, what's I, your what your first I so I've been this, I think I got this early late last week and it's about half gone already. You know, I'm a fan. It reminds me of my bullet, honestly. Yeah. Like it's just super like well, there's nothing fancy about it at all. And that's what I like. I don't need don't get me cute with my bourbon. I don't need I don't need cute. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally hear you. It's just a really quality solid and it, 
you know, you can taste a little bit of that corn in there. Yeah, it's uh, really Iowa good. Based. It's very good. Very good stuff. Uh, so that's what we are sipping on tonight here as we talk. Highly recommend. The week in um, Rona with college sports uh, was fairly Strange. quiet. Yeah. But, I, but I will say this. Um, I thought uh, we had a couple of pretty good interviews with Jamie Pollard and Gary Barta yes. on the show this week. Both athletic directors at our state's institutions I thought were really open about it. I, I'd be shocked if we don't have fans. Uh, and Gary Barta is still talking openly about having Kinnick Stadium full. Yeah, I mean, I think you got a plan for that. Um, and then leave it up to the individuals whether they want to go or not. Mm-hmm. But what Jamie said, he said, I think in the letter, and then again reiterated on your program, that right now the 30,000 number, Chris, came from the fact that they're basing on the 50% uh, capacity from the state of Iowa. So this is not an Iowa State instituted 50%. This is coming from the state. And if that loosens, and I fully anticipate, honestly, the way this is trending, assuming there's not this, you know, second wave by August, September, that it will get larger and larger. So while if I were a Cyclone fan and I wanted to go, I'd probably make sure I get my season ticket now. I think there is a chance still that you can get tickets later on and attend, um, depending on what that capacity number is. So I think eventually we're going to get, and this is just my personal opinion, I I know nothing, that it's going to come down to a personal preference. Uh, If you want to go, you can go. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. Do what you want to do. But I, I think it is trending as we still have over two months until opening college football Saturday that it'll be up to the individual and there will be no state. You know that's going to sneak up on us. Oh, yeah. It's almost June. It's June. It is June 1 when people are listening to me. Yeah, it just feels like... It's been 10 years in the last two months, but yet those two months, (laughs) they clipped along. Yeah. Kind of. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that the way that we're trending in this country and um, I think that the way... I, I just... With the social unrest, you know? Yes. I just watched the news cycle change so quickly. Yes. And again, it, it's very um, worthy. I'm not... I'm not. No, absolutely. I'm not being critical here. But, like, you're telling me, like, when people went into Walmart this weekend, they weren't thinking less about Corona, right? I think people are going to get less and less obsessed with it, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, it, is, it, is that too strong? No, I, I I don't think so. I think there is an absolute connection with what the media focuses on and a level of, call it, recognition, awareness, or fear. Yeah, take Rona and the civil unrest away, and how much are we talking about the space launch right now? Yeah. You know the, what I mean? The, 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 what about the election? Sure. Like, we're barely talking about November right now. Right, but, but I think as this has... Sh- I mean, the attention, just a very small example, but it just, this is a media commentary more so than, because the social unrest, yeah, is it's a huge story, and it should be. But CNN took away the, the coronavirus tallies that have been up for two and a half yeah, months. The death toll. Yeah, I mean, but. Jeez. But so. It there, is it, ta- chalking it, it up every single day. There, but there is a connection to what Man. the media focuses on and then what the consumer is in their mind and. So this this could be good and bad because right now, okay, let's a little good news here. The the trend for for not necessarily the state of Iowa, the state of Iowa has been pretty consistent and maybe you know 
compared to some other states, it's been relatively high. But in some of these states, the trend is really going down quickly. Um, you saw nationwide again today, super low numbers relative to the last two months. So that's good. Now, with the protests and the unrest, could there be a connection with increased caseload? We'll see. Uh, or is this really a seasonal virus, which we've thought maybe potentially all along? Long story short, a lot to be determined from that. But you're seeing now people, like you said, get more comfortable, I think, with getting out and about and making decisions on their own. And I think we're, that trend will continue all the way towards football season. But maybe as importantly, Chris, is now these universities are allowing these student-athletes back on the campus. And, and uh, Gary Barta made a good point, too. And, and I know Jamie has referenced this as well. I just didn't specifically do it on my show. But Barta, you know, there's there are not a lot of places in the country that are going to sell out this year, even Correct. if they can. Correct. Right? Yep. Because of the coronavirus, because of unemployment. Yes. You factor in all these things. Yes. So I think that's something to keep in mind, too. Like, it's a supply and demand. I, I think we're going to see, even if it's open, and I don't think it will be in, like, California. I'm not off of that yet. I sure. think that it's... They, they got a little further to go. And there's a lot of these... Do not look past it. I warn you again, there's a lot of political statements still to be made between now and then. And don't let anybody try and convince you that that won't happen. Agreed. Um, but like, let's say, um, you know, let's say 50 power five schools. Um, I'm just throwing a hypothetical yeah. here's are open full attendance. You're going to see a vast drop off. I, I truly believe that when you factor in the unemployment and the coronavirus. Yeah. Do you agree? No, for sure. Okay. I mean, you, even at Iowa and Iowa State, people don't have the discretionary income to spend. And I've talked to even family members who are a little bit nervous to be in large crowds. And absolutely, me too. My I mean, mom and dad I mean, are that way. Why wouldn't you be? Yeah. In in some aspect, I mean, I'm. If you're of that age, especially, sure. Um, I or, think that's more than. Or you have a child with a you know condition, or there's plenty of reasons to be cautious. And I thought. I'm going to give a shout out to Eric Pratt for the yeah, uh, he's great. great call on this. I think he's one of the Iowa's better sports writers in the state. You I made hear. a point before he should be the sports writer of the year. Like, I, I, I really think that that guy should it, should win the award. Eric, if phenomenal. you're listening, I agree. Because he's had some really good perspective really during good. this. And I think, so he made a good point. It was about high school sports. Of You could see if there is a family who does not want their son or daughter to play high school summer sports, some pushback against them that no something's wrong with them. And Eric's point was let everybody make their own choice. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's a great message to send even for those who decide not to get tickets. That doesn't make you a bad fan at all. Like that's completely normal and okay. Sit it out of here. Watch yeah. it on TV. And, it's okay. And let me give another credit. Cause I, I caused a little bit of a, of, I would say a storm with the Hawkeye fan base this week when I pointed out not you. that in the Des Moines Register, they were not going to guarantee season tickets, the same seats, if you didn't renew this year for 2021, right? I pointed that out that Jamie Pollard said they would. Well, to Iowa's credit, by Thursday when you had that interview, yeah. Gary Barta clarified that, yes, if you don't renew this year, you will get your same seat 
in 2021. So kudos to them as well. I didn't mean it he as a slight. Actually, he said it wasn't the same seat, but it's in the same like level. Uh, Wait, well, I just whatever just works. But it's just because we we pressed him on it. Yeah, which I thought it was a great question by you and Ross to make make him have that conversation. And I didn't mean it as a slight at the time of oh look how great Iowa State is to people who don't want to go. Is more of is just a way nobody can predict these things of how you handle it. But kudos to everybody involved for making that decision that if you are uncomfortable about going, then you don't have to go, and that's okay. Wanted to um, go over the oral history piece that Rob Gray Phenomenal. wrote on the 2011 Oklahoma State game. I, I think it was one of the better pieces of content that we've ever put on the website. I, I feel like I say that about once a year with with something that Rob, Rob writes. Done. Yep, yep. But I truly mean it. This was um, this was fantastic, and I would encourage anybody who hasn't read it yet to certainly go and check that out. What what stood out to you about the piece? It just pulled me right back on that seat yeah. on Friday night, um, and you remember it. But I thought Rob did a good job of highlighting the kind of the weird atmosphere before that game, and with what Oklahoma State had gone through, and and the part. The, f- the part that I forgot as well was that Oklahoma State dealt with that plane crash with their men's basketball support staff and, and a couple of players yeah. in 2002, I want to say. Um, so that added to that when their women's basketball head coach and I think a uh, pilot and somebody else uh, when they crashed on that Friday. But it was just the setup to that game I remembered Iowa State was a significant underdog with that other storyline. And then the fact that Iowa State's down, I thought Rob did an awesome job of highlighting this. 17 points at halftime. And yet Rhodes goes in there and is like, nope, we're, we're in this thing. We're going to win this thing. And lo and behold, they found a way to do it. I mean, I there's a lot of good sports writing. We just mentioned Eric Pratt and Ford Dodge, but that was that was fantastic. I had I There's not often anymore... A story about Iowa State gives me goosebumps, but that one did. Yeah, I would agree with you. Some of the one of the things that really stood to me, um, a couple things, just like from a football standpoint, Kalecchio, Simley, Hayworth, Hicks, Carter, Bykowski. I mean, that was a pretty good offensive line that it doesn't it, probably get tossed. No, around and you'll remember that they pushed around some teams too. Yeah. I mean, KO was, but you're right. Hayworth was an NFL guy, and so was Bykowski. Yeah, those were three NFL linemen. He had three of them. That, so, nothing against our boy Jeff Woody. No, but but man, they they were they were doing some of the hard work there. And the fact, if you go watch, go watch it. Jeff mentioned it in the piece. So I thought it was thank very astute and, and you know hum, take being humble of him. Look at what Ko did. If you can find video on that final drive, he was literally moving three different people at once. I think I might watch that this this year or this week. It, it is. It was on Cyclones TV one of the early days of the. Uh, the pandemic and I was you forget how great of atmosphere that was and then you throw Joe Tessitore who just got removed from Monday Night Football but he was so good as an as a commentator and set the scene so well that man it was just it's one of those nights you still have the poster right there oh I do I have a couple I, uh, and then I had the the towels that they had there and I framed it and then just thinking back of I remember that cycling reaction well you came up after Woody scores, yeah, I was crying. I mean, I, mean, it, I think every. I mean, it was it was I, super emotional. Just, like that, something like that had not happened in a long, long time. I just remember bear hugs with Hefton. Um, Bruns picked me up and about popped yeah. my head off. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> and then the cool part for me is that 
during the reaction show, this is still on Fanatic. I don't know if you can find the old website, but you had screenshotted all of the front pages for sports uh. websites when sports websites were actually relevant. Yeah. So on the front page of ESPN, Yahoo, yeah. CBS, I did do that. I remember uh, Sporting News. It was all about Iowa State because it was a Friday night, and the national spotlight was on Ames, and it just. It's a little bit disappointing. Iowa State really couldn't ride that momentum a whole lot further. But for that night in November, they were the they were the deal. I had a um, I had a deal hit me that I've told this story before. But that night, I came home like a lot of I. I so we had a long reaction show. Game got over really late. I probably got home at like one one thirty. Yeah, it was a and, late night, and they were replaying the game. Yep. Yep. So everybody was like on Twitter watching the game again. Yeah. And and I was trying to, this is when it was basically just me still. It's like when Fanatic, um, this is when I was doing everything. I was sales writing, yeah. like I did the whole whole gamut. And I remember um, staring at my computer that night because I didn't, I wasn't confident enough in my like writing and Perspective. To capture it. I didn't think that anything I wrote could be worthy of the moment. Yeah. Have you ever had that happen? Like where you just feel like, like what, what oh, can sure. I add here? Like I didn't, I didn't, I don't know. I feel like I would write differently now compared to nine years ago when I was, you know, 26 Agreed. years old yeah. and I'd really never seen anything like that. Yeah, but I'll never forget sitting at that kitchen table. Just like, what do? How do you? How do you describe this? <laughs> and I think I went to bed finally at like five o'clock in the morning, that and was, I missed Paul Rhodes on College Game Day. That was a. F- I mean, there has been some really good days in Iowa State athletics in the last five years, but that came out of nowhere. The there's one quote from this oral history that really stuck to me. Can I read it to you? Please. It was from Jake Knott, who I think. Um, Kind of got forgotten about. Yeah, I I think so. At the time, he was super popular. I think we forget about how astute of a linebacker he was. Very well said. So he's talking about the interception that he got late in that game. Well, he didn't get it. Taron Bitten got the interception, but not as, as we find out, not had a lot to do with that. So let me read this to you here. Um, That was all preparation. That was Wally Burnham, Shane Burnham, and Coach Rhodes, quite honestly, because we knew if they went and empty, the empty package, is what, which is what I believe they ran that play on, and they had Justin Blackman to the short side, which is why I always covered, and they put him in a slot receiver, something was up. So I got one of those boys at the end because I decided kind of at the last second just to – I just told myself, you know what, I know they're going to him based on everything they've seen. They're going to hit Justin Blackman. They know what our empty coverage is. They knew who's going to be covering who. They knew that a linebacker was going to be on that receiver. So they put the best receiver in that slot, hoping for that matchup, and they got it. So I told myself, okay, they did that for a reason, obviously. I'm going to cover this guy man instead of playing zone like we're supposed to play. (laughs) And I could tell by his release, he was going to run an option route. So whichever side I have leverage on, he was going to run the opposite way. I mean, you see those in the NFL all the time. So I saw his release, and normally throughout the entire game, he would just sit down and try and run a curl because he knew I was protecting the inside so hard, and that's what I was taught. So instead of doing that, I just went to his right hip back hip and said, 
okay, I'm not going to give him that curl route. And he goes on. Isn't it fascinating to yeah. you? This is nine, nine years, years later. I thought the exact same thing. And not he remembers is, it. I mean, he's taken us through. That's inside college football, man. And then somebody else referenced that Jake did the same thing in the article. Like they, like maybe it was yeah. Deion Broomfield. And, and he did the same thing in the Iowa game that year, which we won 9-6. The crazy thing is that Iowa State team had a lot of talent. Yeah. Now, you look at it and you go, well, they only won six games that year in 11. You can, there's some reasons why they were a little bit limited. Honestly, the quarterback play it was, was by the spotty. Way, I see it's a quote after it was Jacquez Washington. Oh, Jacquez. Who, who's now a coach, yeah. by the way. So he's a really bright football mind referencing the Jake not switching up the coverage I mean, mid-play. It is wild he can remember to that detail. <sighs> and what's even more wild to me is that Oklahoma State team seemed unstoppable, and they really were. Uh, and they ended up winning their bowl game, by the way, pretty handily. But if you look at number of NFL starts, Chris, Iowa State's roster that year actually has had more than that Oklahoma State roster did, which is interesting. But you look at it, yeah, that's Justin, a good point. Justin Blackman, he didn't, he kind of flamed out for various reasons. Yeah. Not necessarily a talent issue with him. Um, Brandon Whedon never really started a whole lot of games. He he had age against yep. him. They had some other good quality players. Um, the running back played for a bit with the Cowboys. But if you look at Iowa State, I mean, KL still in the league, I think. Or maybe he's a free agent now. Well, but KL had that whole deal with the surgery. With the Jets. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he's nine years starter. Um, Leonard Johnson played a lot of snaps in the league. AJ Klein is still a captain. Um, so, I mean, yeah. you, you've got Jeff that, Woody Jeff, does podcast for Cyclone <laughs> Fanatic. <laughs> but that Iowa State team was, was really, really good. And, you know, Maybe they should have won more than six games, honestly, if you look back at it. There's a lot of circumstances. Paul uh, just could never get a quarterback. That was all. Yeah, I, I, it, but, was a, it, was a, it was a carousel. I mean, Barnett had a good year, or he had a good few games. He had a good games. four games, yeah. Um, I, I'm glad well, he talked, too. He's, he was a very good, he's a very good dude. And, I love Jerry I mean, Barnett. He, he just, he was a little bit limited physically, and I, I think that. How, yeah. does, how does the Rhodes era end? If Tom Herman stays for two more years. I wonder that because the interesting thing is if you look back on the message board, and that's why I love Cyclone Fanatic, is yeah. you can look back. It's at like what our own chronicle. It is. Yeah. You can look back at what people think, and people were happy largely when Herman left um, because they didn't think he performed very well. And if you look at the numbers, he was okay. He wasn't great. But, but they were getting better. But they were really getting better. And his, his play calling in the second half and overtime of that Oklahoma oh. State game was just a complete masterpiece. And yeah. um, one of the play calls they talked about in there, that little uh, bootleg screen pass to James White, like that was the fun part reading that as I remember all those plays in, you know, in retrospect. And even the high-profile stuff, like in overtime, when they just decide, okay, we're going heavy. Yeah. You know, and he just, just stop us. He sits James White, who's like been torrid in the second half, yeah. and he throws Woody, Woody out, out there. there. But it was really smart. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. There's a lot, and we went, I thought one of the better podcasts we've done, and it holds up really well, is that that Paul Rhodes podcast from a couple of summers ago. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it, it talks a lot about what, what the rise and fall of Paul Rhodes was the name of it, and it explains kind of what happened in that era really well. But the Oklahoma State game, after that, it was like, wow, sky's the limit. And really, what Iowa State couldn't do, Matt Campbell took it another level in 17 where not only did he beat Oklahoma, but then he followed that up with a win over Texas Tech and then TCU and, and, and got a little bit a notch higher. Now, we're there. Can, can Iowa State get to that next step? And I think that's the question for this year.
So, um, speaking of that, Brent Bloom, in the next few weeks, we need to begin the 2020 version of the Souk Up Summer Series. Look out. I think right now uh, is a good time to take suggestions for topics. I like it. Um, I, I think we're wide open at this point. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the Souk Up Summer Series, we go heavy on random topics. Now, uh, always Iowa State related topics, but yeah. in the past you mentioned we've done the the rise and fall of Paul Rhodes, one of my favorite ones cuz it's a passion of mine is we did the Big 12 missile crisis, like yep. we we referred back to to those times. Uh we can do some interviews. I think this year one that I'd really like to do and I've always wanted to do was have Eric Heff sit down with us and yes. go like in depth with Eric Heft on his career. I'm for it. And all the things that he has seen. I'm confident that Eric will take the time for us to to do that. That's one idea that I have, but I'd like I would like for this to be a deal where Cyclone fans can chime in and think broad here too, guys. Yeah. Don't don't be like, hey, break down the two thousand and twenty one football recruiting class. <laughs> like what no, these are more of a magazine type of podcast, but we, we do uh, the good folks at Souk Up have come on board for yet another year of sponsoring the summer series. Steve and the gang there grateful really like the uh, the the concept of what it is. So I'm asking right now for fan suggestions. Yeah, look and and I'd say 80% of the topics we've tackled are fan suggestions. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious some of the ways we can go, but man, there's, there's a lot of, a lot has happened to Iowa state athletics in our time. I mean, you look, I mean, we're really. With the Jamie Pollard era. Yeah. Jamie Pollard era. And then I, Chris has fully mentioned before that I grew up more as a Cyclone fan than you were. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, there's a lot that has happened. In I those, actually think that years. that too gives us better perspective too. Yeah. Cause like I, I, I remember being in a place where in the state of Iowa where Iowa state was just an afterthought. Like they weren't even Nebraska was number one. Iowa was number two. And then you basically had Kansas, Kansas state and Missouri fans scra- it was scrapping with Iowa state. Yeah. Really? I mean, that's really what it other than like the known farmers, but, right. you know, there's some ag guys around town who are Iowa State guys, but that was about it. I thought of you yesterday. ESPN, maybe it was the Big Ten Network, I don't know, had had Nebraska, Florida from 96 on in the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> they were so good. I mean, Oh, my God, those teams are they awesome. Were, they, I, it, and it, it literally brought back nightmares for me because of how good they were and what they did it, to Iowa State. It in was the so mid-90s. frustrating. Too, because they're just running that triple option, oh. and you knew exactly what was coming, Florida, but you can't stop Florida it. Florida couldn't touch it. Yeah, I mean, it was Frazier and Lawrence Phillips. Amon Green was a freshman, and it was like, man, I, I watched that for a good hour. I'm like, this, this is bringing back bad memories of what those guys did to Iowa State. You're telling me, really? I thought Amon Green was later on. No, Amon he was Green on was the a, same backfield as Lawrence Phillips and Tommy Frazier. Amon, yeah, because I, yes. So they, he was their backup, Chris, and he averaged seven and a half yards a carry. Amon Green did. They're like, oh, this is a little freshman from, uh, I don't remember where he's from, but he's averaging seven and a half yards a carry. I don't care what people tell me. Like, I know, um, I know the triple option and all that stuff, and it's a military academy and all that. If, if, if in 2020, yeah. you fielded the athletes that Nebraska did, and you ran that thing, the wishbone, you could be successful. 
Yeah. With the defense that they always brought to the table. Well, that's the other thing. You just kill the clock. I do wonder if you had, okay, let's say in the SEC and you have Georgia's recruiting class and talent and you ran the option, wouldn't that be unstoppable? I would think so. I mean, that's why Nebraska was so good is you knew it was coming, but they were, the line was good. I think the line was always overrated, first of all. I mean, there are all these academic All-Americans and, you know, you could probably be an academic All-American at Nebraska. Um, but Yeah, they're not even in the <laughs> academic the, thing anymore. Know, it's a bad joke. They went to the um, Big Ten and they yeah. dropped out. But they had so much skill talent. And I know Tommy Frazier never played in the NFL, but that guy was filthy. And then their defense was always loaded with NFL guys. Tommy so, Frazier, here's some trivia. You want to do it? I don't know why we're talking about Nebraska, but it's, it's a pandemic. Who cares? We're in the middle of a pandemic and civil unrest, and there's no sports. Okay? Like, we can talk about really anything at this point to get our friend's mind off Fair this. enough. Um, Tommy Frazier was once a quarterback coach at a Big 12 school. Really? Which school was it? If he wasn't, a, he may have been the running backs coach. Kansas? Incorrect. I don't know. Baylor. Was he really? When? I'll have to pull it up. I, I, don't, I don't remember hearing that. Uh, I'll pull it up to find you the exact years. Because he never, did he ever play in the league? I don't think he ever did. Uh, well, I'm going to find out because I just pulled him up on I, Wikipedia. He was a he was the Baylor running backs assistant coach uh, from 2000 to 2002. Wow. That, How do you like that, them I apples? Knew that. That's a good pull right there. He was the head coach at Doan in Nebraska at 2005 and 2006. Is he just living in Lincoln still and probably I, just I think that a he, legend? Yeah. Um, from what I understand, he just is like hanging out now. Man, that guy was – what they did – look at – look up the scores against Iowa State in 1995, 6, and 7, and it just was completely out of hand. <laughs> Sorry about that. I got a Riley dog here. Yeah, I mean, he was giving me the business. <laughs> I tried to play okay. through it. I'm, I, you know, a more professional podcast would go back and delete that. I'm Just not. Leaving it? My dog, Dirks, was humping Brent. He wasn't humping. And, it he, was and he got done with Brent. Yeah, and he, he, came over, he came over to me <laughs> with those hungry eyes. And he pulled my microphone cord <laughs> off of my head. That's what happened right there. And again, a more professional podcast would go back and delete that. We are who we are. He wanted a massage from me. I don't know if I'd call it full on humping. Okay, you want the 1994? No, 95, 96, and 97 Nebraska-Iowa State scores. I'm going to see if I can remember them. Hold on. Iowa State-Nebraska football series. One year was 70 to 13. 70 to there's a great website for this. Yeah. Winsipedia. Yeah. Have you ever been to that one? Oh, yeah. All the time. Um, 95. So 70 to 21 was one score. Is there 70 to 21? Hold on. I don't. I just, just got done touting this. Okay. I, I just got done touting this website. Uh, the largest margin of victory was in 1997. 
Yeah. I remember this game. What was the final? 70 to 70, 21? 77 to 14. 77 to 14. That's what it was. Oh, my yeah. gosh. 77 to 14. All right. Now I'm in the spot where okay. I need to so be. So that was 97. Uh, 96 was 49 <laughs> to 7. Uh, clones got 14. 14. <laughs> yeah, 49, 14. Okay, 95. It was 95, in Lincoln. 95, 63, 21. No, it was worse. Well, actually, <laughs> yeah, it was. 73, 14. <laughs> 94 was a war. Yeah, that was that got scrappy up in Ames. I, yeah. I remember being at that, that one. That was an absolute war. 28 to 12. Yeah. Clones were right there. And then there. 92 is the, the year. The year. Um, okay. So, point being, 95 to 97 were my impressionable years, and I literally had nightmares about Lawrence Phillips in Nebraska. I will say this. As much as I hate them and hated them, it was always a big deal where I was from when Nebraska was playing. You know, because oh. you're that close to a national title program. They were the program. And my dad always, we we were not Nebraska fans, but we were college football fans. Sure. We always went to about one Nebraska game every couple of years. And like whenever there was a player dad wanted to see, he would take me there. And I, I say this with utmost respect. They did it right from an atmosphere perspective. Oh, now, still. They still do it really well. Um, their egos got a little out of hand with the sellout streak. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And, and now I refer to Nebraska as that 80s or 90s rock band that's playing for free at the state fair. But <laughs> at one point, they were a big deal. I don't know if they'll ever get back there, but it's been an interesting process. I mean, I, I, maybe they will, but that's... I don't those think... Those teams in the 90s were legit. You got to give them credit. I told you the other day, I don't I don't think Fred's going to be this smashing success there. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. Like, I really want Fred to do well. I... And I, I don't know about Frost. Like, I here's the problem that Frost See, has. Iowa State got that commitment over them today. I did see that, yes. Yeah. I Here's the thing about Frost, and, and it's less to do with Scott and more to do with um, Nebraska. It's just like, what is success there? Yeah. Like, if he's back to 9-3, and three, okay, well, you fired Frank Solich for doing Like, what? Yeah, I think that past is gone. Yeah, but, but there's still, and I know enough people like this, yep. where... That's not acceptable. They still think that they should be that team that you're talking about waxing the clones. And, yeah. like, I just – I don't think they're ever going to get back to that point. Man, they – that year in 97, that game wasn't on TV. I remember listening on the radio. Chris, it was 63 to nothing at halftime. I think I remember exactly where I was during that because I'm, I'm positive that I listened to it on the radio <laughs> and I was at a dirt track in Nebraska and everybody was being insufferable. <sighs> so bad. Poor Todd Bandauer. Poor Ben Bruns. Actually, you know what, Brent? I take that back. The year that I'm thinking of was 2001. Yeah, that one. That one got out of hand. Because over there. didn't that we think Seneca. that, like, we thought that the clones had a shot to Better compete shot. in that one? Yeah, and then they got beat 48-14. Yeah. that's the one I'm thinking Seneca, of. Seneca, by the way, in that game, it it wasn't televised, so nobody yeah, remembers that. Yeah, you had to one. listen on the radio. But his run, I'm going to go down thinking this for a long time, his run against Nebraska in 01 was as good, as good, not better, as good as the one against Tech in 02. Wow. Mm-hmm. Look it up. Spectacular against that defense. Now, they got destroyed in the final score, but that was a nice run by Seneca. It's a large statement, considering that's one of the most famous I know. plays in I'm the history you, of look Iowa it up. State Athletics. I, I, I say that f- with full knowledge of what I just said. Okay. 
All right. Anyways, um, appreciate you guys listening tonight. Uh, I hope we took your mind off of everything for at least a little bit. I know that we, during all this stuff, enjoy getting together on Sunday nights. So, still looking for a sponsor. There's not a lot of local advertisers looking to spend money right now, but we... I believe it or not, are are doing pretty well as far as traffic and all that stuff goes. People want content. We can help you sell your product. We have a lot of great listeners who are super loyal. So we appreciate that. And um, with that, Brent, I think I'm good to sign off here on uh, week, what, 11? Yeah, I think it's 11 or 12 by now. Or the quarantine pod. Yep, we're getting closer to the three-month mark. God help us. Hang in there, everybody. Stay safe, stay well. <laughs> to quote Royce White, be well. <laughs>